0: Thank you for being here today, for meeting for the first time. I'm Jared, and I get to unwrap our last of four gifts in this adventure series. We're going to be talking about love today. Let me tell you a story about Rich. Rich was recently standing in line at his favorite bakery. He had just ordered his coffee and his sandwich, was waiting to pay. He was behind an older woman who was putting in an order for some treats to take home. And as the counter help was helping assemble a group of scones and muffins and then brought the box over for her inspection and she approved, they gave her the grand total and she took out her checkbook to write a check. The counter staff informed her that unfortunately they didn't receive personal checks, but they would be happy to take her cards or cash. She rifled through her purse, discovered that she had inadvertently left her wallet home that had the cards and had the cash in them and, and she was flustered and upset and said, I guess I just can't get them today and walked away from the counter. Well, Rich, without even thinking about it, just kind of spontaneously blurted out, hey, I can cover that. Put it on my tab today. And she turned to him and she said, there really are nice people in the world and you're one of them, but I couldn't let you do that. And he said, oh, trust me, he said, I have had so many strangers do nice things to me. It's about time for me to start paying it forward. And so he said, uh, I want to do it. And she insisted and she said, well, well, if you do that, I want to repay you. And he insisted right back and he said, no way. But if we ever meet here again at this bakery in the future, you can buy me a cup of coffee. And she agreed and she left. The two women that were working the counter were quiet as Rich came up and he was paying for the transaction. And finally, one of them said to him, that was a really nice thing to do. As her counterpart nodded in agreement, you are being watched. And Rich's story is a great example of spontaneous love that acts. And that's what we wanna talk about today in this adventure of love. In fact, notice the big idea with me. Here it is Love is doing what's best for others, no matter what it costs you. Love does so do something. (laughs) Love is doing. Now, I know that when most people talk about love, they're describing something that they're feeling, right? We talk about falling in love, as though love were something that happened to us and jumped on us that we really couldn't help, and we wait around for this love thing to happen to us, totally beyond our control. But love is more than a feeling. In fact, fundamentally, Love is a verb. It is doing what's best for another, regardless of what it costs us. So I want to talk with you today about three things that support this claim, why I believe that love is a verb. And let's just jump right into the first reason. Here it is. You can command action, not, would you say the word with me? Not Feelings, yeah. God commands us to love with all our some of you will want to say it with me heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second command is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And God even commands us to love our enemies of all people. Notice the very words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6. He says, "But to those of you who are listening, I say, I ask a question. How many of you are listening? at least a third of you. That is awesome. So here we go. This is what Jesus has to say to you today. Love your enemies. And now he's going to make it operational. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And I want to tell you, I think that you should believe and act on every one of Jesus' words. But I would prefer to avoid most of what he just said myself. <laughs> that is radical stuff that he's talking about that is 180 degrees countercultural to our values and for most of us, our emotions as well. So I want you to notice the two words that follow the phrase um, in, in the, the last verse there love your enemies. How do we do that? We do good. That's how you do love. When Jesus calls us to love our enemies, he's not asking us to have nice, warm, fuzzy feelings about them. In fact, I don't feel lovey toward my enemies. I can't. But what I can do is I can choose my action toward them. Love is a command love God, love people, love your enemies. You can't command feeling, but you can command action. But you know, we should ask the questions aren't some feelings involved? Absolutely. I would hate to be feeling less or feeling bad every time I express love, wouldn't you? But understand that the way God wired us is that feelings are responsive to external and internal stimuli. So when. Uh, In a couple of days, we walk outside on Christmas Eve, and we're promised sunshine. What will you feel? Some of you will join me in saying, finally, yeah. If you happen to go to the right kind of restaurant this afternoon, and you walk in, and they're bringing a fresh platter of fajitas by you, and you smell those fajitas, if you're like me, what will you feel? Hungry, yes. Feelings are primarily a response to another stimulus. And so when Jesus says to us, love your enemy by doing good, he is saying to us, I understand that your action may get ahead of your feelings, and your feelings may actually be the lagging response to the action. Feelings are an involuntary response to a stimulus. I love and I recommend the book that Lydia mentioned last week in her excellent message. If you weren't here, please listen to the podcast. Uh, The book's written by Bob Goss. It's called Love Does, and here's one of his examples of spontaneous love. Here we go, an intentional act, rather. Bob Moffat is his name. Uh, He loves to work in his yard, and he noticed that his neighbor didn't have the same meticulous standards for his yard that Bob did. And so one day Bob just went over and he felt prompted to clean his neighbor's yard too. It was a mess. The next week he went out and he cleaned the neighbor's yard again and it became a pattern for him and and for 2 years he cleaned his neighbor's yard. And after a couple of years the neighbor came over and he said, "I've noticed that you've cleaned my yard." I thought I told you two years ago that I didn't like Christians. I'd like for you to tell me about Jesus today. And he began to describe the addictions that he battled with and the other major problems and issues in his life. And that day he opened up to God. Now, a few years later, after both families had moved away from that neighborhood but were still in the same town, that neighbor invited Bob and his wife to come over for dinner. And While they were having dinner together, Bob said, I want you to know that because you cleaned my yard, I saw God's love for me and came to faith in Jesus. I want you to know that I'm serving as a leader in the church that we attend and that I have been sober now for several years. And all of that happened because you loved me with Christ's love. The point of the story is obvious. Love does what's best for another in spite of what it costs me. Feelings come and go based upon our response to various stimulus that comes our stimuli that come our way and our interpretation of those. Feelings are involuntary. Love is a command. And so if you want to feel good about someone that you don't feel very good toward, doing something good for them may be a good step in changing those feelings in that direction. I'm so impressed with how people love. You do this so well, Evergreen. I was talking with a couple that are newlyweds, and the first part of the conversation was one of those uh, expected Conversations you would expect, and they were talking about how excited they are and fun it is to be married and looking forward to their first Christmas together. But but as the story unfolded, I was quite surprised to discover that one of their moms lives with them in their living room as she is receiving long-term hospice care. And I commended them for caring for her and, and they, they responded with joy and they said, This is the only opportunity in our life to love our mom in this way love does you remember that jesus had some things to say about love and so first i believe that love is a verb because it's commanded and then secondly i want you to notice with me that the scriptures treat love as something that we do well, probably for many of you, one of our favorite verses in the Bible is this classic statement. It's a Christmas verse. It's John 3.16, and it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. So God's love for you wasn't just something of interest to Him or that He felt for us, but it's, it's something that He did. He gave. Many of you are familiar with what we call the love chapter. It's 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, and Paul talks about uh, these, uh, uses descriptors of love. Love is patient, love is kind, and so on. For those 15 descriptions, and here's what's interesting he uses 15 verbs. The closest he could come to describing love for us was to put it in actionable language love does what's best for another. Here's another. You'll love this. It's in Romans chapter 13. I'm going to read these three verses. Here we go. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be, are summed up In this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. You can take this home and act on it this week. When in doubt about what to do with another, love them and act like it. Paul says if life is confusing, if all the do's and the don'ts and the right's and the wrong's end up being overwhelming for you, listen, it's all summed up in this one, love your neighbor as yourself. And notice in verse 10 where he says, love does no harm to a neighbor. If we were to flip that and put it in the positive, we would say it this way, love does what is best for the neighbor. Love does. Probably this morning already, you've been thinking about some formative time in your life where you began to learn this kind of lesson, that love isn't just a feeling, but it is first and primarily an action. And by the way, for those of you who are parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles or older siblings, sometimes when we see somebody in our life that's younger uh, struggling with something, particularly if it's unfair, we want to come rescue, right? or we wanted to defend. And uh, by the way, uh, don't let harm come their way, but sometimes it's just better to let the big parent, Father God, have that experience with them. And as adults, we experience this as well. Uh, My recollection happened when we, I think we were 31. Both of our kids were preschoolers, toddlers. And part of my practice, uh, living in Eugene at the time, was to run a a couple of miles to a little county park that was along the Willamette River. Now, it was kind of a forgotten little lonely place. There was a a gravel road going into it. There was about three parking places. There was a round open barrel for a garbage can, and there was a a pit toilet. And uh, no one was ever there early in the morning. And I would run there, and I would look at the water, which is just restorative for me. And my plan was to meditate and to think and to pray a little bit and then run back to the house. Well, what I discovered was that not everyone has my same litter standards. And this park was long forgotten by Lane County personnel, and there was always trash all over the place. By the way, I, could, I knew which fast food restaurant changed to buy stock in based upon the amount of litter that was there. And I would go to have this beautiful, peaceful, meditative time with Jesus, and I would just be mad and upset and had four-letter words going across my, my, my mind generally not my, all by myself. And so I would just work myself into this angry, you know, froth about these nasty people in the world. And it dawned on me one day, if you're going to keep coming here to meditate, you're probably going to need to make an environmental adjustment. How long would it take you, Jared, to clean up this mess? And I looked around and I said, probably less than five minutes. So why don't you just do that? And so I cleaned up the trash, and it probably took about four minutes. And the next day I came back, and I was running into my beautiful, pristine spark to have a wonderful, meditative time. And guess what? People showed up the night before and missed the garbage can. There were fast food bags and, you know, uh, empties from a six-pack a Bud Light, and all of a sudden I started to feel angry, and I thought to myself, how long is it going to take to clean this up? And I thought, less than a minute. It took about 40 seconds. And the next day I came and there wasn't much there, and I tossed it, and it became to be my practice of picking up the garbage. Now, I've told this story once before. Some of you remember it, and you wish I wouldn't tell you this part because it really turns gross here. Are you ready? It's Christmas. Do you want me to do a gross or not? You're just nasty people. I was tested in my love for the community. Somebody not only missed the garbage can with their litter, but they missed the pit toilet with their, where well, they relieved themselves. Wow. Yeah, I know, I know. This is not a good thing. I'm going to get notes, I'm going to get texts, I'm going to get messages, you're going to catch me afterwards, you're going to tell me I shouldn't have done this. I found a way to clean up that mess too that day, because this was the point I was making to myself. When does it cost too much to do the right thing? That was the point. Now, I stopped going to the park. I never wanted to be tested with that again. No, no, no. (laughs) It's not true. Yeah, yeah. Love ends up costing. Now, here's the point of the story. It's, It's this verse that we're about to come to, which is absolutely astounding. Because, you see, when I was testing my love for neighbors that I didn't know and enemies that I didn't know that were litter bugs, I thought I was doing that all by myself. I had no idea the impact that was happening. Notice Hebrews chapter uh, 6. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him. Pause for a minute. Shown whom? Shown God. And what will He not forget? He'll not forget your work. He'll not forget your love that you felt. No, the love that you've shown. God will not forget the work you've done and the love you've shown Him. How? As you have helped His people and continue to help them. Wow. This week, You're going to draft off of Marley and the band as they so wonderfully and beautifully as they always do, lettuce and songs of worship. Some of you are going to use uh, the art form of music and other art forms in expressing your worship and your adoration for God. Do that. Absolutely do that. I do that. But let me tell you that your worship to God, your love to God this week in terms of time is going to be far, far greater in acts of kindness toward other people than it is in using art forms to express worship to God. Do both, but notice what God will reward and won't forget, your work and love shown to him as you help others who are in need. How do you show love for God? Help people. Those of you that are parents, what's the best way to demonstrate love for you? Yeah, care for your kids. God's the same way. Help his kids. Notice what John says in 1 John chapter 3. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in the truth. (laughs) Challenging, isn't it? Yeah, love isn't just a feeling in our hearts. It's not just nice words that we say. Do that. But but love is doing what's best for others, no matter what it costs us. I was talking a few Sundays ago in the lobby with a couple who foster babies. And I knew that recently they had given up a little girl that came to their home at birth and was with them for about a year. And Recently, her parents, bio parents, were in a place where they were able to receive her back, and what a great story that is. But I said to these foster parents, I said, that must be really tough to have raised this kid every day of her life, and now to give her up. And this is what they said. Oh, of course it's difficult. But that's why we do that for these kids, they said. Love does the best. Love does. Love does. Jeff Collins, who is a leader in an organization called Love in Action, tells this story. He says, it had been a trying week at the Love and Action offices, and it was 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon, and I was so looking forward to leaving the office and going out to have dinner with some friends, when at the last possible moment, the phone rang, and it, it was Jimmy. Jeff, it's Jimmy, I heard a quivering voice say. Now, Jimmy was suffering from several AIDS-related illnesses. He was one of our regular clients. He called often, and he said, I'm really sick, Jeff. I really need for you to come. I've got a fever. Come help me. I was angry. After a 60-plus-hour work week, I didn't want to hear about Jimmy, but I promised to come over. I got in my car. I was on my way, but I was telling God that I was not happy with this inconvenience. The moment I walked into the door, I immediately smelled the vomit. Jimmy was on the sofa. He was shivering in distress. I I wiped a cool cloth across his face and then I got a bucket of soapy water and I began to clean up the mess. I managed to maintain a facade of concern while I was raging inside. About that time, Russ, Jimmy's roommate, came down the stairs to see what was going on, and the odor made him sick. And now as I'm next to his chair cleaning up the carpet by him, all of a sudden, Russ shouts. And he says, I understand, I understand. Jimmy said in his distressed voice, what do you understand, Russ? And he said, I understand who Jesus is. Jesus is like Jeff. Jeff says, weeping. I hugged Russ and I prayed with him. And that night, Russ decided to follow Jesus. He got it. So my question for you is, what was happening in that story? What was Jeff feeling? Anger, frustration, irritation, put out. What was Jeff doing? Actions of love in Jesus' name. What did Russ experience? Christ's love in the most profound way. Russ understood who Jesus was by seeing love in action. So I believe that love is a verb because because the Bible treats love as something that we do. A third one that I want to leave with you today is that Jesus is the example of love. (laughs) My guess is that you know someone who's done this as equally likely we have all experienced it too. You know, some of us can harbor some rather ill feelings toward God and believing that God really does not love us or that God's a tyrant and he just demands our instant and immediate obedience or that God is a judge who's already bring down, ready to bring down on me a, 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 a verdict of guilty. I want you to know that the Christmas story is just the opposite of those ideas. First John three says it so beautifully this way. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. How do we know what love is? Look at Jesus. He came to earth as a baby. He gave his life as an adult. The Bible points to Jesus on the cross wherever it answers the question, how do I understand love? There, Jesus did what was best for us no matter what it cost him. And it cost him his life. Some of you may have had the opportunity, as Ann and I have, to have heard or possibly you've read books written by Brennan Manning. I've always wondered how he got the name Brennan. I wonder what his mom had just suffered before she named him that. (laughs) And here's the story that I found intriguing, and you might as well. When Brennan was growing up in Brooklyn, his best friend was Ray, and the two of them did everything together. I mean, they went to school together, they bought a car together, they double dated together, they, they enlisted in the army together, they went to boot camp together, they were They were uh, deployed together. They were in the front lines together. And one night they were in a foxhole together. And Brennan was reminiscing about the old days in Brooklyn. Ray was sitting there listening and eating a chocolate bar when a live grenade came into the foxhole. Hmm. Ray smiled at Brennan, tossed the chocolate bar, and threw himself on the grenade. The explosion killed Ray but Brennan's life was spared. A few years later, Brennan became a priest, and when he was receiving his orders, he was instructed to take the name of a saint. So he thought about his friend, Ray Brennan, and took the name Brennan. A while later, he was back in Brooklyn. He was visiting Ray's mother in her home. They were talking about the old days, and Late into the evening, as they're drinking tea, Brennan asks, Mrs. Brennan, do you think Ray really loved me? And she jumped up out of her chair, and she shook her finger in his face, and she said, he died for you. What more could he have done for you? And Brennan says, in that moment, I experienced an epiphany. I imagine standing at the foot of the cross, and asking the mother of Jesus, Mary, do you think God loves me? And Mary pointing her finger at Jesus saying, what more could he do for you? Love does. Well, here at Evergreen, we're an activator church, you've noticed that. So we always wrap it up with a kick in the butt, right? There's always something to go do from here. If it's not operational, it's not true. And so here we go. Here we go. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Love does every day. I want to first of all just say Evergreen, you do this so well. Collectively, you're an amazing community of love. Just recently, 150 Thanksgiving meal boxes, 334 generous Christmas bags for precariously housed students, $9,200 cash given to finish the medical uh, clinic in Chicalte, Guatemala, generous year-end gifts that some of you are still in the next nine days praying about and preparing to give as well, helping us love so well here, near, and far. But I want to take it as we move toward a conclusion today from the collective whole down to the granular you. What does it look like for you this week to express God's love? Love does. You're better than me, so you won't have this experience, but here I am. Yesterday, I was a jerk. Yeah. So I was off to do some shopping, and we were going to buy a, a beautiful new fun thing for, uh, for the new house we're going to move into in a couple of weeks, and I was all excited about that. And being a good steward, I also wanted to do a return of a gift that we bought for a family member, and then we bought another gift, and to be fair, we can't have two gifts for the same person, and so I was making a return. And I happened to have bought for him, a gamer, uh, uh, four $25 uh, Ibox cards. And so being the you know prudent well accomplished returner of items I had the four cards I had the receipt for the purchase and I had the receipt to activate the cards I stood in the return line at the large store and it was finally my turn a woman probably in her early 20s was on the other side what can I help you with today sir and I had my cards I had my receipt I had my activation receipt and I said well, unfortunately, we over, uh, over, uh, duplicated on a gift, and I need to return these cards, and here's my Visa card that you can put the charge back on. And she looked at me, and she said, we can't do that. Now, I have learned, when I'm talking to someone that tells me they can't do something I want them to do, I say, I bet we can do it together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That works more times than you would think. Did not work yesterday. She said, sir, we don't receive back these gift cards. She says, as a matter of fact, you might have noticed that in the fine print. Can any of you aging boomers read the fine print on the back of a gift card? I had to take her at voice value. And so I said, I believe you that it says that. I am not happy about it. You're just doing your job, but right now this part of your job is not good. And I said... I'm leaving, but I'd like for you to tell everybody up the chain, this policy stinks. And I left. And I went and bought a beautiful thing for our new home. It's so cool. And I was bringing it back, and I was all happy about it, and I was kind of reflecting on uh, getting to talk with you today. And one of, the, one of the, uh, the, the toxic natures, the downsides of my job is that I have to tell the truth. And I thought, oh, Stink. And I thought, I really need to fix that thing with that person that I've never met before. And so I did that the way you would like to do that. I did it in my heart with Jesus. So I'm driving home with my new toys, in my heart with Jesus, Christmas carols in the background, repenting of my sin and asking for forgiveness and help me be nicer later, right? For some reason, this whole idea of love does came to mind, and I didn't feel like I had quite satisfied the active part of that. (laughs) And so I did what I think was probably the right thing. I pulled into the big box on the way home, and I went inside, and I bought a Starbucks card, and I wrote a little note on it, and I took it over, and I stood in line. But the woman who had helped me an hour before was not there. And I thought, oh, stink. Now I have to confess my sin to another stranger while I'm trying, can I help you, sir? And I said, well, yes, you can. I said, uh, I'm a jerk and uh, I was just, there's somebody who was here an hour ago and I wasn't, I wasn't kind to her. And, uh, and she described her, her work partner and I said, yeah, yeah, that's her. And she said, well, she's away for lunch for about an hour and won't be back. And she said, but can I help you? And I thought, oh, this is awkward. So I said, "Uh, yes, I said, you can. I said, I have a gift card, and I'd I'd like to leave it for her if you would do that. And I said, she was doing her job, and and she wasn't able to help me with an exchange because of policy, and I said, I did anything but brighten her day. And I wanted to leave this gift, and I hope that it brightens her day a little bit. And the woman uh, took it, and she smiled, and she said, I'd be happy to do that. And she said, you brightened my day too. Hmm. Now, you're better humans than I am. You will not have that experience this week. <laughs> but here's the point. You will not go wrong acting right toward others all week. There's a candle that each of you received on the way in today, and, and Ann mentioned the card. It's also on the app for the adventure that you'll be doing in lighting a candle. I encourage you to do that. And maybe at some point this week, you'll also write a candle which will remind you that God's love for us really is the center of what Christmas is all about. Yesterday, the candle, the bright spot I was to bring to a young woman's life was the acknowledgement that I had failed to treat her well and to recognize that. I love this ancient prayer. It's known by different names and there's different renditions for those of us who have worked the 12 steps that's going to sound familiar. Probably there'll be a lilt to it that will be familiar to most. I've rewritten it in language that seems to be make the most sense for me. It says, Lord, make me an instrument of your love. Where there's hatred, let me show love. Where there's hurt, forgiveness. Where there's doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. God, help me give comfort, empathy, and love. Would you pray that prayer with me as we read it out loud and boldly? Lord, make me an instrument of your love. Where there is hatred, let me show love. Where there is hurt, forgiveness. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. God, help me give comfort, empathy, and love. As you reflect, would you enjoy this gift of the song that Marley and the band are going to give? It says, pour me out and listen for these words. Fill me with your love till I overflow.